plus minus. Curry, way Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> Plus minus. Tell Marcus that he asked you know, that question about my defense. You hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. Y'all have a great night. I think you got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Hello and welcome to what we will call what the exit interview edition of the Warriors Plus Minus podcast. It's been uh, five, four or five days since the Warriors were extinguished in Los Angeles. They rattled their players to exit interviews. Steve Kerr has done his pretty interesting exit interview, which we can get to. Bob Myers has not. He's in Chicago at the, all the pre-draft stuff. He might talk next week, which would be an interesting time for him to talk, obviously, as he contemplates his future. But Tim Kawakami and Marcus Thompson are both with me. I think we can go like person by person maybe through like, you know, what's ahead and, and these situations, that, you know, off this past season. But uh, I guess what are, you know, initial thoughts? My thoughts are on Marcus. Concern, caution, care. Marcus, you okay? He looks like he's not feeling so well right now. He's going to gut through it. You, you feeling okay, MT? Not really. My head is killing me, but I haven't been on the pod in a minute, so I owe the listeners. <laughs> Doing it for the listeners. He's doing it for Marcus, the listeners. And for us. Marcus Thank you for just doing really it. didn't want San Antonio to be an NBA destination again. Like me is not uh, that as pleased that suddenly, you know, we got to make trips to San Antonio again. It's, it's looking like. Yeah, San Antonio's back in the building. More river walk. I'm kind of hoping when Binyama says, you know what, pulls a, a Eli Manning is like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not going there. I feel like the strings have been pulled behind the scenes, so uh, he's clearly on board with it. Like, I don't know. I'll be picking TK up from whatever <laughs> yeah. hotel he's at. River Center Marriott, driving to, driving to the driving arena. Driving to the river. barn, that rodeo yeah. barn that has for, for shoot around flies and going turn- around because they just won <laughs> rodeo of the year for the 19th straight year. All right, this is what everybody want, wants to listen to. Warriors plus one. So I was complain about the drive out to the arena, but uh, it is what hit us all yesterday. What is your your number one? I don't know. Thought heading into this offseason right now, or just take it anywhere you want it. Bob Myers. That's the decision that starts off everything. I think the longer this goes on, I've been the optimist on this, thinking it's going to be really hard for him to walk away from Steph Curry and Clay and Kerr and Draymond, but. The longer this goes on, the more I'm going to lean the other way. I'm not sure. It's his decision. I don't think it's been made yet. But, man, I mean, that's the decision because if he's gone, then who's making the decisions? Like that, That's a whole other slate of, you know, it's a whole other sliding door situation. They got to pick who's going to be the general manager, who's, you know, what's the emphasis, what's the focus. Even Kerr referred to that. Like, you know, he can't think about his contract. He's got one more year left until he knows, until the Warriors know who's making the decisions on everything else. So the Myers thing, I assume, is going to come pretty soon. It would be weird for him to run the draft and then quit three days later. They'll know by but, the draft. You know, Yeah, I think they're going to know going into the draft and whether he's still under contract or not at the draft, the next person is going to make the make those decisions then and the trades and the whatever else they may be doing. But the Myers thing would shift a lot of stuff about this team. Even if they've been prepared for it, if he leaves – a whole bunch of stuff is going to be different. And, you know, I think they need to know that pretty soon. I think Bob wants to tell them pretty soon. But that's I have a feeling that's what's going to decide the next week or so. Whether we hear about it or not, I don't know. But 
it's going to happen the next week or so. And that's the title shift right there, whether he stays or whether he goes. I'm leaning in the same vein, but I'm, I'm thinking Steph Curry. I'm thinking like Myers matters so much because like obviously he's central to what they've done. But it's very clear that the the timeline now is Steph Curry. Like they seem so determined to get to another title where it was like, all right, we don't like this feeling. We're going to win again. We're telling people we're going to win again. Now, how do we win again? The key to that is essentially maximizing Steph. So now it's about putting the best pieces around Steph. I, I know people have talked about wasting Steph years, and I know TK pushes back against that, but it feels like now is the time where it really comes into play. Like, whereas before it was like, yeah, I mean, you kind of got to build, right? You can't just automatically be like, all right, let's put a Kevin Durant around Steph. But now it's like losing in the second round makes you say, all right, we tried the two timeline thing. We tried to rebuild, but at least for these next three years while Steph is under contract, it needs to be all about maximizing him. Yeah, that's important, by the way. Yeah, I mean, that's important. And is not a person you can say, ah, you know what, we'll be the 8th seed, 10th seed, 11th seed. That's not worth what Steph Curry's given to you. It's not worth what they've invested in this, what he's invested in this. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think what you're, what I'm implying from what you're saying is if Bob Myers moves on, maybe, you know, not every detail, but the number one most important decision maker in there or everything's going to flow around number 30. Like, it probably already is. But it's Bob Myers. Yeah, you know. I think it already is. And Bob Myers is the main piece in that cock, right? Like, what happens with Bob Myers? Because then, you know, Bob Myers impacts what happens with Draymond. Clay, too. Um, and Clay. And, you know, the other part of this that I think, like, we don't really get to know it as well. So it's hard to convey to the audience. But, like, some of these options and deals and player signing for the low and access and all that stuff has a lot to do with the connections of Bob Myers, general manager, and, and who can get in the room and who can't. And I don't know who replaces Bob, but now that comes into question. If Bob is not there, do you get a conversation with some players who obviously need to take less money <laughs> to come to the Warriors, but maybe they don't even you don't even get a conversation. TK, remember the days when they were trying to get meetings? They they weren't trying to get the player; they were just trying to get a meeting with them. They were they were overjoyed to got a meeting with Dwight Howard. Yeah, they were, yeah, they were on like, the we're list. in the room with Dwight. Yeah, Can you believe yeah, that yeah. we're in a room with Dwight Howard? Yes, no question. But you know, we were. I mean, it just keeps going back to you know who would get people into the room with them. Steph Curry, Steph Curry. yeah, absolutely. That's here's a question, MT. Does Steph? have a talk with Bob and say, you know, can you give this one more run or does he let him make his own decision? I think he absolutely Completely does. Like you know what this reminds me of? Andre Iguodala last summer. Um, remember, Andre Iguodala planned to retire. He talked about making not only summer plans, but like October, November, December plans that he had to scrap because end of the day, Steph, but also Kerr, I think a little Draymond, convinced him, lured him back at the last minute. I assume that's what these next few weeks are because I don't know. I mean, you guys probably got the same sense and word that I have that like Bob is leaning and I think his brain has told him that this is it, right? Not that he can't be pulled back, but that's the way he seems to be leaning and will need to get dragged back in a sense. The problem is if anybody knows the real reasons why Bob is leaving, who is it? 
like Steph knows, right? Like he knows if it's, you know, whatever reasons, Bob, like fill in the blanks, uh, for whatever reason, if it's like a family thing and like Steph's not going to, is Steph going to stand away in that? Like if it's a family thing and he's like, I need to spend more time at home. I don't think Steph steps in and says, yeah, Bob, come be with me instead of taking care of your family. Can I ask you guys something then? Like Bob Myers leaving obviously leaves a massive hole, but this is not one of those situations where huge executive leaves. Uh Oh, they need to start an immediate search to find a new front office, a new guy that's going to come in and hire people. I think we all get the sense they're likely to, you know, ascend Mike Dunleavy and they have a, you know, roster full of front office people that are already in place. And then a lot, you know, run the front office already. Bob does a lot of different stuff on the fringes, but a lot of the daily front office stuff, the scouting, the draft workouts, you know, name your stuff, the analytics stuff. It's it's run by people that'll still be there. So if Steph Curry believes, hey, look, Bob just is not about us. He just needs to leave because he needs to leave for his life. Do you think that they're like, obviously they don't want Bob to leave, but do you think they're more comfortable? Like, hey, look, we're moving forward. You know, we know Mike Dunleavy. He's been in the building for three years and Bob had to leave for, for whatever reasons Bob felt like leaving. Like we're comfortable moving forward with basically in a lot of ways, the same front office minus one figurehead. I mean, I think they're braced for it. I don't know if anybody's really ready to lose somebody like Bob Myers, but you're right. I mean, in some ways they've been preparing for it, uh, but Bob does so many things. Uh, and I think Dunleavy is going to be a general manager and he's probably going to be a real good one, but there's so many other things that he's going to have to figure out and the scramble of it all hitting his desk at one moment. You know, okay, Mike Dunleavy, decide what to do with Draymond. Okay, Mike Dunleavy, decide what to do with Jordan Poole. You know, that, that's a lot of Even more, it's like, and deal. tell Draymond what you're deciding exactly, to do. Exactly, exactly. Do you have that amount of credibility with Draymond that Bob Martin? No, no one does. You know, and try to convince Steph that this is the way we ought to go. There's just so many different pieces to that that – you know, I could see them, you know, could they bring in a Travis Schlenk to be his number two? Like, just make sure you got a rock solid number two, you know, and you have Sean Livingston there and you got all the other. I mean, those are, I think just moving Mike Dunleavy up, I get it. I think he's going to be good. Right now, there's so many things. Like you say, okay, Mike Dunleavy, you're general manager of the, you know, Utah Jazz. Not that, you know, okay, fine. You don't have that many moves to make. Mike Dunleavy, general manager of the Golden State Warriors, right now. <laughs> yes. True, but as we all it's know, true. there is a opinionated decision maker within that front yes. office who, you know, is at the uh, top of the food chain in a lot of ways. That with two sons are involved as too. Uh, yeah, there's another reason why it would be. It's a tough job, and why Dunleavy is qualified for because he knows it. But it's you got a lot of things going on, which is why I keep, you know, I would mention Travis Schlenk again or someone like him. But I mentioned Travis because he's got the experience there. Just another bulwark, some another voice in there. I think that they could use some more voices in there. And I'll just throw this out. Being the optimist that I've been on the Myers thing, what if Steph and others say, hey, you know what? Bob is president of the team. Mike Dunleavy becomes general manager. And you, Mike's the one who deals with everyday stuff. Mike's the one who. You know, there's other that, franchises by the way, that's, that do it this way. It's kind of already what's it's kinda, going it's kinda, on. Well, like just like let's make it like official. Official. Mike Dunleavy is a general manager. Bob's a team president for one year or two years, making you know Danny Ainge money or you know Ainge's part owner, maybe whatever. It's top of the line money. Mike Dunleavy's general manager, but whenever he needs Bob Myers, Bob's right. Maybe Bob lives in L.A. You, you can do it if you're not the general manager. Is there some sort of... Maybe Bob's with the Clippers. 
<laughs> well, then he couldn't be president of the, of the Warriors also, but yeah. While also running a successful podcast and showing up on ESPN's halftime coverage. Being Disney vice chairman and, you know, all the things that we've Running as Gavin him. Newsom's, uh, you know, running mate. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll just say... I think they would miss him a ton. I agree, Slater. That's not like, oh, my God, let's open it up and let's interview the seven the seven hot candidates. It would be Mike Dunleavy, and they've got Sean Livingston, and they've got other people. But, man, at this moment in time, with all the timeline stuff, and this owner, and Steph Curry, and Draymond, with Steve Kerr on only one year left on his contract, boy, man, I mean... It would be very tough to just say, okay, new guy, you go ahead and make these decisions. That's why if I'm if I'm Joe Lega, it's like, what does it cost, Bob, for you to just stay one or two more years? Maybe he's already made that offer. But th- this moment in time is, is with so much up in the air, you put Bob Myers out of the picture. And I don't know who's making the decisions. And Steph doesn't know who's making the decisions. I would rather it. Just kind of be like one more year of this if I'm Joe Lacob, and we'll see what happens. Okay, moving on from Bob, that is a decision that will obviously be made. Uh, one of the things I'm curious about entering the offseason is the tax bill because, I mean, once again, I mean, pretty much every time Joe Lacob has talked to Tim Kawakami, he has said, like, there is a threshold. Like, it's not like, oh, exactly $400 million, that's the exact dollar amount we can't go over, but... I mean, Tim, you could speak to it better than me, but like he's basically like that seems to have always been his like, no, 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 no. Those are crazy numbers. Can't do it. Can't do it. He has not talked since, you know, the season ended. Clearly hasn't talked in a while. My guess, and this is a guess, is that it's purposeful. He's not trying to put out there to the rest of the the rival teams out there that, hey, I can't make this move or I can't or you can back me into a corner. That would be my guess why he hasn't talked. I have heard just just rumblings that it is possible that they don't, make a big teardown of, of contracts that they I think they want at least it to be appear like they don't have to either let Draymond go uh, or trade Jordan Poole those are the, those are two options. Yeah, th- yeah those are two options. that is those the big are, question the here money, and that's yeah. why I, I brought it up as maybe my biggest question of the offseason because it's like there is a large large difference between trading Poole and you know rope Kaminga into it or whoever for or Clay whatever for similar salary that gets you different rotation pieces or literally you know you have an edict of like get off that money go trade that money for nothing of value next season because Jordan Poole struggled in the playoffs like Kaminga didn't have much of a role in the playoffs even though I thought he had a pretty good regular season but just not having them on the roster makes you a worse team now if you can parlay them into something else obviously you know maybe you you retool it and you're better but that's my question like to keep it at 440 or 460 or wherever it would go if you don't move pool for little or nothing they'd have to believe it's a championship roster they would have to believe it's better than what they had this season i think that is the kind of the thread the needle thing and i don't know if they can do that i don't know if they can mentally do that i think they might be able to do it for one year beyond that then you could talk about when clay's contract comes up if you're not giving them an extension maybe you know Draymond's taking less. I don't know. Well, I mean, even if you're extending Clay, like it is not at 43. I'm just saying this number. We're talking about this number, which is 440, 450, which Joe Legib has told me in no uncertain terms is impossible. Might not be impossible if they figure out a way where they can convince themselves that it's a championship level roster. That is not this one right now as it stands. Maybe they start telling themselves that Kaminga is going to be great or whatever, but. The one that we're looking at now is not a champ. It would not beat the Nuggets. 
I, I mean, I'm, I would fe feel fairly certain about that. So what do they do to convince themselves? I don't know. I, but I just say, I have, I'm the person who Joe said that this is impossible, just kind of feeling around a little bit. No one said, you know what? It's impossible. No one has said that in the last few days. Doesn't mean that's where they absolutely are, but nobody has said we cannot do that number uh, next season. But again, they'd have to feel like it's a championship level roster to do it. And they're doing it without the big playoff home date money that they've gotten on the championship runs. They're doing it without knowing if they're ever going to get another one like that. And that's a huge part of this money situation. So I don't think it's impossible. I think they'd have to do a lot of thinking and they have to do a lot of reconfiguring at the you know middle part of this roster. I mean, from what I gather process. on the process, it would be like they would have to bring Joe Lake up. Here are the options. Will you green light this bill for this player, for this trade, for this whatever? But Slater, at this point, is cutting salary even possible? I mean, they would literally have to cool. dump a player. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't what even if you know if it's San Antonio possible and we're like, give us a couple future picks or, you know, not even that great of value and like Jordan Poole can be the pick and roll partner for Wembanyama. Take him into your cap space because you got cap space. It could be 27 for, for 10. Right, I mean, you don't have to trade them for zero. As long as it is a team millions, like yeah, a Spurs that has yeah, just that has space, a bunch has of space. space, which there are teams out there. And you're just saying we're going to be worse. Not only do you drop under 440, you have a roster that's worth a lot less than that. And yeah, then what do you want to do? And then what do you tell Steph? And so that becomes the equation. If you trade Jordan for nothing, you are a worse team by a lot. And that's why I say, how can you trade him for something less? And instead of being 450, you're 410. Is that okay? You know, maybe with a better roster, maybe not. That's the calculations that they're making right now. I don't know that anything's been decided. I think Jordan Poole's worth something. I think you, you can get, I mean, I just feel that teams will be interested in a scoring guard who's 23 years old. I just, it feels like they can get something for him. Maybe they are, they would be, so they'd be thirsty yeah. for a buy low. They'd be like, Ooh, this is yeah, a great no time. It would not, it would not, it would not be his height of his marketplace. That's for sure. But I don't think that contract is untradeable. And I, I think you might get some interesting looks from some teams, uh, maybe some interesting players, maybe not his absolute value, but they're not trading him at his absolute value. They're trading him at his like middling to lower value. Let's just shift to players. I mean, what's, Everybody wants to talk about Kaminga. I mean, like, where is he right now? What's their plans for? Can we possibly know? Like, we had, we saw them go into the last season with plans. And Kerr talked about a third-year jump, but where's he going to play? The same problem exists. The exact same problem exists. Unless somehow he develops a handle and ability to create. Like, he still got Draymond. You still got Andrew Wiggins. You still got GP2, which was the very minutes Looney's he didn't part get of that reason. Lot, and, yeah. Like, what's going to be different for Kaminga unless he comes back a completely different player? I don't I don't. You know, he know shot 37% from three this year, which is, I think, would surprise a lot of people. He's a better shooter than Steve acts like, I think. He's a better shooter than the problem is, and this is a point Steve would make, he's a better shooter than the defenses react to. You know, they're like, oh, you're hitting 37% for three, but we're still treating you like you're Kevon Looney or Draymond Green. So you still create the same spacing issues. I just think he's he's a real talent. And if you decide what Marcus just said, that like, look, just rotationally, there's too much of a log jam. You can't be fit in there, um, especially because, you know, we they want him to be prime Sean Marion, but he maybe he doesn't rebound or or he's not attentive enough. He's certainly not as old as like prime Sean Marion because he's not in his prime. But if you decide that, then sure, maybe you look around, but be careful, number one. 
on trading him. And number two, like, you know, get good value for him because uh, if I'm a team like, you know, the Raptors, the Thunder, the the Spurs I mentioned earlier, the Magic, like, oh, I'd love to get six foot eight Jonathan Kaminga with some skill, with some power. Portland, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, here's what I think the practical point is. Kurt actually mentioned him as possibly a power forward. He has never really said that. He thinks him as a three defense perimeter players. When you're three, you got to shoot the ball. Like you are part of the offense when you're the three. When you're the he'll four, shoot the ball. you know they may not want him to, but he'll he will yeah, do it when, and he'll hit. I know. You need you need to be more f- versatile offensively from the three than the four because just because of who you're playing with, right? If you play the four. You might have a little more. I think he's a small ball five in some ways. And Steve's never thought that. And there's a lot of reasons for it. I think the more they think of him as Draymond's backup, just you're Draymond's backup. That's what you are. Like no matter what though, like this is playing yeah, well, yeah, exactly. not playing this well. You just, this, this is, is your it. job. You are, you are that guy. I've said that I think the emergency of last season just caused Kerr to just say, I cannot play guys who go up and down. He did get coming in there when Wiggins was out, but he took him back out. He didn't play him in the playoffs after game one a second. All, all the things we can talk about. But if you just say, if you get off to a decent start, doesn't even have to be 18 and two like it was last year, but a decent start and you're not tight gripping for a playoff spot like they were all last season, just say, John Kaminga, you're the backup. You are Draymond's backup. And you know what? In games that Draymond doesn't play, because there's going to be some, you're playing 38 minutes. And in games, you know, we might play a 40 minutes. Or just how about close him next are. to Draymond in a small ball switching lineup? Yeah, exactly. They talked about like be, it. He's, he's yeah, a be part of tool that. In, I in a, totally in agree. a five-man switching and, group. And let him be comfortable with that. And I know fans note this. I, I do understand he's played better when he's played more minutes. Same as Poole. When he knows he's not coming out, you can't just guarantee that, though. You can't just say, no matter what, you, you, you make three turnovers and get zero rebounds in 10 minutes, you're back in there for another 15. You can't say that. But if the more Kerr thinks of him as a potential four, and we know Draymond's minutes have gone down, and I think they're going to be about 32 now. They're not 38 anymore, and they might be lower. Like there's Kerr is finding moments to go with other guys there. It doesn't have to be Draymond all the time, even in the playoffs. If you can say, Kaminga, you're the four, and sometimes we might even try you at the five against certain matchups. Look at the freaking uh, Lakers playing Hachimura against Jokic last night. Like just that, that kind of body. Just throw, have someone to be out there instead of chasing little guards and being the two or the three in the offense, be the four. I can see that as a practical way they can get Kaminga, leverage him into the rotation. You could tell him that you're the first forward off the bench and, you know, if you got to earn it, but that's how he gets in the rotation. And I would keep him too. I just think if you can't play a talent, if they've already gone through the whole Wiseman thing, again, we all understand why that didn't work and why they traded him. But if you go Wiseman and Kaminga both can't play for this team, that's a problem with the team. That's that's a, a issue with the team, I would say. I'll give him I'll give him Wiseman. I'll give him Wiseman. I will not give him Wiseman and we'd all agree, like Wiseman had some like real flaws that were like you know, became unplayable at times. Like Kaminga, like he's like obviously a you know, a flawed player, but like he is an NBA. Like like an NBA player right now. I think if you put him on certain teams, like he'd be like you put him on the Rockets, like he's like really popping, I think, personally. I agree. I mean, it's tough to play with this team, but I agree. MT? The question is going to become, we know what the veteran stands on this, right? They want to cash in some of those young chips and get a player. And, you know, watching this year, Steph needs a number two. I don't think you can say Clay is a number two anymore. 
Maybe maybe you could go with Wiggins as that. Wiggins was for a playoff or not? He was for he was for an entire postseason, especially in the later rounds. So unless you believe he can be that again without the craziest year he's ever had, but if he's your number two now, is Clay your number three? Right? Like I think there's a part of them that's gonna want. We've already seen this. We've seen this movie before. They wanted Bradley Bill and or Dan, you know they want somebody right. So what's going to be the pressure from them to say Kaminga's obviously a valuable piece. You pair him with Jordan Poole, go get us somebody, or do they sacrifice Kawakami's favorite, Patrick Baldwin Jr. <laughs> That's a lot of value. I mean, That's a for a Giannis trade, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It depends on who you get. You just it depends on who you can get. I think if you can get a really good player. Like who's twenty seven years old, you do it. But if it's for a eh, player who's twenty seven years yeah, old, like why it's, just, it's their Perry only chance to get back. you somebody. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. it's their only well, like, yeah, chance to get. You but somebody. I, I agree. If you see, you test the market out. You got to be really careful though. But Kaminga can be probably better than what you can get if you just wait for him. But they don't. They just don't have that much time. You got Moody, PBJ, Ryan Rollins, and Kaminga. Like that's at what and plus you're about to get another pick. Yeah, I was about to say the nineteenth pick. What do you know? Do they use that? Yeah, uh, so you use now it in the you, trade, you're back in the, the same spot. You back in the same spot with five young guys who you know, so at some point somebody's gotta go. They've gotta leverage some of that somehow. I think Steph and them are gonna be like, Don't bring us back with five, six youngsters again. Like two, three, okay. And a nineteen year old project at the nineteenth pick. <laughs> How about Chris Murray, Keegan Murray's brother, the 19th pick? More of a polished product. He's like a little bit of a lesser man's Keegan Murray, twin Just brother. Just into a Kings podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, well, be fine if you want to let him to fall to 24 in the Kings. You can give up your title of best team in Northern California. Keegan Murray would be so perfect for the Warriors. That's exactly what they need. They need that kind of guy. It's Kuzma, you know, Keegan Murray, Austin Reeves. Those are, and that's why they're almost impossible Chris to get. Chris Murray, really, probably going to really be available at 19, <laughs> just saying. Slater's working the combo. He's always working the combo. You always got to watch with Slater. I mean, it worked this year. <laughs> so out of those five, who you keep it? If we just say Poole is now a vet, I mean, five years, like he's out to mid. You got Moody, Kaminga, PBJ, uh, Ryan Rollins, and the fit, the pick. Out of those five, how many do you keep and who who do you keep? I think you keep three of them, but depends on what you can get for the for everyone else. Do you, you test the I mean, market? can we put Ryan Rollins yeah. in this mix, though? Because, like, what's yeah, this? No, what's I can't believe you. would know more than we would know. I can't believe we've mentioned Ryan Rollins twice I know. now. I mean, he's just, he's just, he's got a spot. He's got he a, a guaranteed spot. roster yeah. spot. He so does, they need does, to, but. they know more than we knew about Ryan Rollins. How would we know that much? I mean, obviously, he was not impressive in the small glimpses we saw, but if they believe this is heading towards, like, down a Jacob Evans path, which I don't know, then I think they need to get off that doesn't obviously not you're not getting any value for it but just from a roster spot perspective they got to figure out what the value is for Kaminga because if it's not that great you don't move them if it's really if it's really good then you got to think about it but I would be very careful on this one they're striding that like there's certain guys who can play with Steph Curry really well and there's some guys who just can't where's Kaminga on that and how long do you go with this where it's fit with Steph or not? I am always going to go fit with Steph. That's what they did with Wiseman, no question. 
but also like if you're only gonna keep guys who can fit with Steph and they could be good somewhere else if that's the situation in three years you're gonna be looking for guys who are just good like you just are so you know what's what's the value there for just again I'm there on this I believe you know I was totally there on the Wiseman trade I'm totally there on maximizing every last bit of this landmark player you will never have again and who is still great but you can't, you do have to make some kind of contemplation about like is it just because it's a Steph thing or is it because this guy is flawed in some way I think Wiseman's flawed in some way that was the combo thing I don't know about Kaminga but I think the fit with Steph is under this kind of mindset of off ball movement understanding how to move and all that we literally just watched another way to fit with Steph Kaminga can do offensively exactly what GP2 did and that fit with Steph be the role man dunker spot like so I think he could fit with Steph if you put the ball in Steph head like when Steph has the ball in his head problem though I don't think the fit with Steph's a problem I think he does fit with Steph I think the fit with Draymond is a little bit tougher no question you know because it's spacing if Peyton can do it if Peyton did it Gary is uniquely sneaky and like has just like these like his instincts are you know I and I'm curious if I saw Gary Payton play at 21 he's probably not doing a lot of that stuff right I mean Gary Payton's older he's polished yeah he's 30 yeah he's been through some stuff he's been around a few blocks but it's a, but it's a great point it's a great point like if GP2 can do it at 6-3 you think Kaminga can do it at 6-7 with all that explosion uh it's just a matter of him doing it Moody a little bit right I mean Moody was crashing the boards in the playoffs, he was earning Kerr's trust. He can play some defense. I mean, Kaminga's way more talented than Moody. The difference between Peyton and, and Kaminga is rebound. Obviously, the veteran guile, right, understanding and all that stuff. But if he rebounded, he'd be a fit. Like, GP is getting in there crashing the boards. Like, that, to me, is the big difference. But I do think Kaminga can play with Steph. I don't, I don't think it's like that. Remember the Kelly Oubre situation where it was just like, <laughs> I yeah, just remember can. bumper cars in the corner where Steph was coming, like, all right, come on with the screen. <laughs> I'm relocating. And <laughs> I think the Warriors are in position where they can't do that anymore. They can't look at players and be like, yeah, this is our kind of player and just turn down talent. Like, like Rui Hachimura would have helped the Warriors and he's not a Warriors player. But if you're watching him, you can't tell me that guy wouldn't have helped the Warriors, even though he's not a quote unquote Warriors player. But sometimes you just got to take the talent and make it work. Dennis Schroeder would be a help for the Warriors. He's crazy. They never. Um, I asked them about it last year. I think. Remember when he was up and anybody could have had him, and they just went, "No, not." Happening. They got to stop that. And I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like that's a guy that just can, can, can go out there and be crazy for for two quarters, and you win the game. That's the kind of thing I think. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Is with the, supposed the, to be the fit. The fit. Yeah, he's supposed to be. He can be at times, but he's not that defensively. That's the pro- he probably should be. If there's a if there's a, like a a way to be effective defensively for Poole, that might be closer to it. Yeah, he could be. He could become like kind of like a flopper, you know, yeah, an embellisher, flopper. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yes, no he could. yes, he could. Yes, he A pesky yes. flopper. <laughs> He's got a lot of uh, top side ability as a flopper. He's theatrical. Uh, He's theatrical. Sure. We're going long here, but let's any other key play- We're not going. Okay, yeah, I wanted to ask. Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson. Like, where is he? 
Yo, yo, did did Kurt call out Clay? Like that's the most I've ever seen him call out anybody call out. Clay I'd say like this, that. and I mean, I know you guys were around. Like there was frustration organizationally about just how he came into camp, and like he admitted it. Obviously, like he just didn't play basketball over the summer. He was out of shape. Uh, he remember he talked about it being like a mental block. Like that's the one thing we should remember. Like he really referred to it as like I, you know, scared is too harsh a term, but he was like you know, just uneasy about playing pickup basketball. And like, that's why he came in out of shape. But like, he was horrible in the first month. I mean, remember the Phoenix blow ups? You know, it wasn't just Kerr who mentioned this. Do you do you guys remember? Maybe it was on Draymond's pod. Yeah, it must have been on his podcast because it was after his postgame press conference. But he said they were on the plane. Him, Steph, Ty Jerome, actually, and Clay. He's in on yeah, all Ty the Yeah, Ty Jerome was like in Ty. on this like a very high level conversation. But he said that Clay Thompson said like admitted like i need to have a good summer i need to come back better so steve did call him out you're right marcus but like i feel like clay had given the okay to to be called out in some ways yeah yeah facts he's a different player there's no question about it and does he know it tk yeah i'm not sure (laughs) i'm not sure he does know it Uh, his pride doesn't know it right his pride still thinks he's that guy and what I keep rolling around in my head is that if that player that we think they should add, who's really good, well, guess who? what position he would probably start in? It would have to be Clay's position. Can Clay accept coming off the bench? I don't know about Or that. Draymond's. Or Draymond. <laughs> I don't think Draymond's coming off the bench. So yeah, just like, bench Looney. Like, you can always bench Looney. Yeah, you can always do that. <laughs> or reliable like, bencher. For, for 50 regular season games, you're not going to do that, right? I'm talking about 50 regular season games. Clay's a different player. The shot isn't always there. It's off and on. He got warned. He mentioned mental fatigue. Guys don't, even when they're feeling tired, they don't usually say that. And he mentioned mental fatigue. That's been a long road for him. He's certainly not young anymore. Um, like there's got to be a recalibration of his role and his fit. But I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't, you know, I don't see the necessity to give him an extension. Actually, you can just let it play out. I would play it out if I was the Warriors. And if I'm Clay, maybe I'd play it out too. Why, why, why would I sign for 22 million year extension if I think I'm better than that? Play it out and see see what the number is. I just think that Clay's a play it out situation in my mind. If I was Clay, I would mention the fact that I was the only player in the league to make 300 threes this season, led the NBA, made threes, and made 41.2% of them. He did not have a bad season he did not have an inefficient season he had two incredible months like two of his best months ever from a shooting scoring standpoint i don't know i want to i'd actually like to ask marcus this obviously he's not what he used to be as a defender but is his bad that much worse than his bad used to be right like think about prime clay like prime clay had bad months prime clay had really destructive nights of shot selection and inefficiency like is his bottom barrel that much more bottom barrel than it used to be a little bit more, not much more, but a little bit more. I, I think the difference is even prime clay, he's still terrified opponents. And that created enough space. I just don't think they're terrified anymore. I think they're like, yo, we'll put the guy on him, stay to his body, and we'll live with the results. And I don't really think the fall off was that pronounced until he just didn't show up in the playoffs. And he's had bad series before. I mean, nobody talks about it, but 2016 finals, he was he was non-existent, right? I know Harrison Barnes got a lot of flack, but Clay wasn't there either. He didn't like light the thunder up until he lit the thunder up. You know what I mean? But like, there was just this part of Clay that I mean, part of his aura is coming through. 
you know, that's part of his aura. I think this is the first time you could say Clay didn't come through. Like you could just, it just wasn't there. And I, I think that's the jarring part because he could always make up for his bad performances, whatever, by having the big moment. And this year he just, he didn't have it. He didn't have it in game six in either game six, right? Like <laughs> he didn't have it either game six. I think that's so much part of his identity that it's going to force him to recreate himself because that's what Clay does. And and that's the part that's going to kill him this offseason. We aren't talking about bad shots in, in game six in L.A. I mean, he was missing wide open, feet set. That first quarter was deadly. That's, that's a game changer, right? He makes those shots. That's a, That potentially changes the entire tone of the game. And he wasn't there. So I, I feel like Clay, like you said, has some down. But, like, his defense is not as good. But also, I don't think he terror – like, the terror isn't there anymore. Where it's like – Not as no quick matter, off ball. No matter what you do, don't leave Clay. I don't think teams say that anymore. They're like, uh, let's see if he can do it again. And and that, that much hurts. Because, like you said, like, he got a lot of open shots. That was before. When Clay had bad games, he didn't get open shots. Now he gets open shots because they're just selling out on Steph. Like, go ahead, Clay, what you can do. It's almost like they know. Everybody knows that Clay isn't the Clay he used to be, except Clay. And Clay knows other people. Yes. Are thinking that, right? That's Which like, at, it's, it's oh, man, getting yeah. him. Yeah. It's adding to him. Like, I got to show them. I got to show them. And there's a lot of good in that because that's how you remain good, but there's bad in it because it's not there all the time. I'll say the def- defense part, like when he was not shooting well in the past. He was guarding James Harden. Like he's guarding Damian Lillard. He's guarding Russell Westbrook. Like guarding Chris Paul in his prime. Did you see him like, lock up Jared that Vanderbilt huge, yeah. in that series? Yeah. 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 He he was our second choice to guard LeBron. He guarded LeBron in game six. Like he's a bigger player now. And they were kind of incorporating that. And that puts a total you know, amount of responsibility on Wiggins and GP2. That's why GP2 gets so much time. But he's a bigger player now. I think he goes into that bigger player rotation. I think they do got to cut the minutes down. Like Steve was playing like 40, him 40 minutes in big playoff games. And Clay was good in some of those, and he was not good in others. We keep talking, we're talking around this. Like they need another player to take some of those big player minutes and those wing minutes. And they don't have that player. We could shift the conversation then because that's a, you're paying Jordan Poole to be that. Like you are. You were supposed to see the third year good, very, you know, breakout Jordan Poole season, the good playoffs. And that was supposed to parlay into big money's coming while bigger performances are coming. And the thing I wanted to ask you guys about Jordan Poole is, you know, obviously in the aftermath of this season and the way that they're talking the exit interviews, we know that the the punch had reverberations that led throughout the season and, you know, Poole's, I guess, lack of trust in the organization. But I personally think his bigger issue was kind of playing time, Marcus. I mean, you would you you would have a better feel on it than than me. Or I think his handle of playing time. Yeah, just like he was just getting you know pulled in and out of the lineup, you know, and he would he would always have these little subtle jabs in his comments, like you know it's tough if you don't have the opportunity, or you know it's tough if a, if a role gets changed. And like I think the Draymond thing looming over it all made it harder for him to handle, as you said this fluctuating playing time, but he was entering year four. He's entering big money. He's going to be in year five next season. Like he views himself as a 35 minute, you know, 20 shot per night starter. And that still remains not in the cards with the Warriors. Yeah. It's not happening. I think the worst part though, is that he gets to taste it every season, (laughs) right? It's not like 
he just like, yo, this is who you are. You're the sixth man. You're coming on. It's like, nah, sometimes you got to start because the two guards are going to miss games. And when they do, you're our guy. So he gets to kind of dabble in it. And then it's gone, right? And for the playoffs, it's never happening. Unless somebody's hurt, which, Well, remember you know, the Nuggets series when Steph was off the bench? The yeah. Famous, the, he was great as a starter in that series. It's just like, but that was it. It's like, yeah, you're not, you're not going to start. And I think it would be better if that lineup, the small lineup, worked better. But it's so defensively challenged that they can't even lean on that, right? They can't even go super small and throw them in. I don't see how it changes. That's the curious part. I mean, if his shot is better, obviously everything changes. To me, the bigger, a big issue was his shot just was not ever rolling. Like, he didn't have the stretch where it was like, all right, my shot is on and everything has changed. And he's a lot like Clay in that way where if his shot's not falling, it impacts every part of his game. I don't think he handled the fluctuation well. I think the bigger part is he's got to handle it. And he signed the deal, TK. He took the money knowing there wasn't a starting position. <laughs> well, I think he thought there was going to be one uh, at some point, and that's still far away for him. I do say this. It's obviously Draymond's total responsibility for punching him, but it's just not a surprise that it was Jordan who got punched. It was Jordan who Curry got ejected because he was mad that, he, that Jordan took a bad shot. It was Jordan that Kerr was screaming at early in the season. Like He's just one of those guys. And they've either got to adjust to that, and he's got to adjust. They got to it. be better. I'm I'm done letting him off the hook. They got to be better about it. Like they just have to be better with him. And like one of the things that I think Clay should have done that would have helped all this. Remember, Clay comes back and Jordan Poole's starting, and he's rolling, and they're going crazy. And all of a sudden, he's got to come off the bench. That's where Clay's got to put his arm around JP in the same way Andre Iguodala would have done, right? Or like. It can't be a competition between Clay and Jordan Poole. And Clay's got to be better about making sure they are united in that sense. And Steph's got to be better about it. And Draymond obviously has to be better about it. In many ways, they've created the monster that Jordan Poole is. Like, they're responsible for him. Like, the shots he takes, he's watching them take it. Like, the bravado and braggadocio is what they said they loved about him, right? The, the, the undying confidence. They, gave, they put the battery in his back about that. So to me, they've got to do a better job with Jordan Poole than just hoping he kind of figures it out because a lot of what who he is, he learned from them. And a lot of what has gone wrong, they didn't prevent. And that's one of the difficulties of not having veterans, right? Like that's why Iguodala is important and all these other pieces are important. And I feel like the year where they really needed more veterans, they didn't have them. <laughs> <laughs> right? They had a guy who wasn't playing. Like, I think you could have used the Damian Lee on the bench. Because if you watch the words bench, while the Free starters agent, are Damian in. Lee. Yeah, right? <laughs> Free agent wants this Conor Anderson. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you, you needed some of those guys. Because who's, when they're on the bench, when the when the, when the the five best players, whatever, on the, like who you got on the bench, just with them. You know, like they, they just didn't Jermichael have that Green, presence. who was stewing himself over there. <laughs> right. Dante isn't much of a talker, right? He isn't. I just feel like they've got to be more. If Jordan's going to be on this team, they've got to be a bit more hands-on with him because I, I do feel like some of this stuff is on them and their leadership. Like they, they could be better. Uh, you hear Andre talking about, I mean, you hear JK talk about Andre. Like he's clearly invested in a lot of time. 
to me that, that they just have a role in it to me that's a little bit greater if George's on this team. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it there uh, as kind of the, I guess, first of the overall offseason exit interviewee type podcast. Uh, I'd say our next one will probably be when Bob makes a decision. That feels like, particularly if he walks away, it feels a little bit emergency podcast. Let's break it all down. If he comes back, it's a little less substantial. But yeah, we'll talk again soon. I mean, this offseason will we'll speed up quickly. See ya.